Let's go watch a show. Let's, Let's go watch a theater show, <laughs> a musical. Marshall and Brian on Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 297 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. We're getting close to 300, Brian. Creeping on up. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a big number. I know. We've, well, I haven't, but you've made a lot of these episodes. <laughs> hey, you're getting there. You're almost to 50. Yeah, it's true. And I am in the same room as you. If you're hearing echo, it's because we are on the same couch yeah. for the first time in... Five months? Yeah, several months. And not in San Francisco. Yeah. I'm in the Big Apple. The Big Snapple, as I call it. <laughs> yeah, the Big Pear. <laughs> the Big Fruit. The Big Fruit. Marshall is here in New York. Uh, first impressions. Love it. Well, what actually, context. This is your first time yeah, in New York. Yeah, my first time in NYC. Yep. Yeah, first impressions. So I've lived in Chicago for 12 years, and I've lived in San Francisco for seven, almost eight. So... I'm used to big city life, and this feels similar to those cities, but I mean, it's got its own flavor, obviously, but like, you know, Fifth Avenue kind of feels like Michigan Avenue in Chicago, kind of feels like Market Street in, in San Francisco, like, they're different, but like, you know, it's the same kind of same kind of feel. Comparing anything to Market Street in San Francisco is uh, okay. risky risky business less here. Less poop. There's less poop. <laughs> less poop. Less people Fewer yelling at you. People. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's great. We've done a lot of touristy stuff. We've done a lot of like eating at restaurants i'm still plenty full. of that here <laughs> yeah uh-huh. <laughs> um lots of michelin stars yeah it's been great it's been a it's been a fun trip we're only here for a few days but thank you for inviting me into your yeah. home to record and we've got a fun night planned what are we doing tonight marshall we're gonna go see book of mormon Ooh. <laughs> yeah like front row yeah and yeah. what are we going to eat? I'm going to get my first slice of New York pizza, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> for listeners who are curious, I guess I could get roasted for this decision, depending on people's opinions. But we're going to go to Joe's Pizza. Okay. Because that's close to where I live. Sure. And it's delicious. Yeah. I'm sure everyone has their own opinion of the best New York pizza. But oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to Joe's. <laughs> get over it. <laughs> okay. By the time you've heard this, we've been to Joe's. And it was probably good. It was good. And for the record, even though I'm from Chicago, like I'm a thin crust guy. I I hate deep dish pizza. Hit, hit me up in the comments, whatever. But <laughs> don't at me. I, I don't like swimming pools of marinara sauce. Uh, not, not a I big could, fan. I, pizza's pizza to me. I can eat it all. Oh, hey, good for you. I yeah. don't like it, but I am a big fan of thin crust pizza, and that's what y'all have here. So we're gonna go get some. Let's get some. All right. Well, since we have. Uh, dinner and show mm-hmm. kind of romantic <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not a cheap date brian yeah clearly yeah <laughs> this pizza is very expensive we got a show to do so before we do that we got to tell you about an exciting new event so for those of you on the east coast in new york or the greater megalopolis of of the northeast come hang out with the dribble crew at dribble hang time they're coming to new york city it's going to be on june 6th at the manhattan center hammerstein ballroom it's going to be a big event it's a one-day design conference with more than 25 talks workshops and intimate conversations that you can choose from it's going to be hundreds of designers all gathered for a day of inspiration learning career growth and their lineup is absolutely bonkers Designers like Kat Noon, Jen and Amy Hood, Alice Lee, David Carson, wow. Matt Smith, Mark Hemian, Matthew Paul, Ryan Putnam, Dan Mall, Daniel Evans. Oh boy, Mackie Saturday. Like this list is bananas. 
and they're all going to be there, uh, you know, leading conversations, leading workshops, showcases. There's going to be a live drawing workshop, uh, discussions, case studies, fireside chats, personal stories of living creatively, mm. <laughs> all in an intimate, limited seat setting for a meaningful conference experience. This sounds amazing. If you're in the area and you can make it on June 6th, you absolutely should. And since you're listening to Design Details, we're going to hook you up. So if you go to dribble.com slash hangtimes slash 2019, you can buy a ticket and we're going to give you $100 off the ticket price when you use the promo code Design Details. This is only valid through Friday, May 31st. So you've got about a week and a half if you're listening to this on the day this comes out. Again, the, the event is June 6th, but you only have until Friday, May 31st to grab that ticket. The URL again is dribble.com slash hangtimes slash 2019. And be sure to use the promo code design details. It's going to save you 100 bones. Additionally, American bones, American bones. Additionally, we have a very exciting giveaway. Dribble has also hooked us up with one completely paid for ticket that we're going to be giving away to somebody who might otherwise not be able to go. So if you are a student or you can't really swing the ticket price, even with the $100 code, we're going to be giving away a ticket to somebody so that they can make it to this amazing event. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM, and we'll be tweeting the giveaway. We'll probably have it running from May 22nd through the 29th, so it'll be up for a week, and we'll, we'll make sure to give somebody that needs it that fully priced ticket. But if you have a little bit of extra cash and, and are interested in this, again, use that promo code Design Details. All right. Uh, so thank you, Dribble, yeah, for, thanks, Dribble, for reaching out. And I'm glad we could you know, hopefully send some more designers to this conference. What a lineup. Yeah. All right. Marshall. Yes. We got some follow-up. We do. Last week, we published the Design Details wrap. <laughs> we did. <laughs> how, how, how's the feedback been? We didn't get as much as I thought, to yeah, be honest. We, yeah, we didn't get as much <laughs> feedback on it. Like but five people tweeted at us that it was yeah. funny. Yeah, I mean, it, all the feedback we got... Was positive. Was positive, although it was minimal, it was positive, So, which is which is good. <laughs> nobody hated it, especially considering the context of the episode that we released. Or at least it nobody hated it, and to- hated it and told us they hated it. Yeah, no, no public critique. No public critique, yeah. I guess people learned from the episode itself. Yeah, yeah, from episode <laughs> 295. Yeah. Yeah, so really cool and really happy that happened. If you have your own uh, version of our theme song you would like to make and, and send in to us, we will review it and potentially put it at the end of the show. Yeah. And also, if you can c- include an instrumental version of it, we will put it at the beginning of the show. Yeah, that was great. The thing you heard right before we started talking this episode in the background, it'll be that music. So Yeah, so thank you again to Gabriel Valdivia, Brian Shulman, and Casey Valdivia for putting that together. We'll have a, a link again to the SoundCloud, and we actually have the lyrics this time that we'll put in the show notes. Yeah, check the show notes for them. Lyrics. The lyrics are, are are a pleasant read, regardless. Mm-hmm. So the music was fun. That was a nice surprise. We could have done that for episode three hundred, but yeah. Oh man, we should maybe we should maybe we should have waited. It. No, well, too late. <laughs> Send in your own, and maybe yeah, <laughs> maybe yeah. We'll do it for episode three hundred uh, audio release coming soon. Cool. So that's follow up. Let's just get right into the meat, Brian. Yeah. So Marshall. I'm dealing with some things at work today, right now, uh-huh. that are just really challenging. And I want to kind of vent a little bit, but also get advice. Hit me. These are what I realized was every week when we do this, we talk about high level things or we answer listener questions, but I it thought it'd be nice to answer each other's questions. More micro than macro. Let's get micro for, yeah. for a week here. Okay. I'm finding it incredibly painful to get to the point in a mock where it would be 
10 times faster to just describe how it should work to an engineer instead of mocking up the way that it should work or prototyping up the way that it should work. However, for the sake of communications and sharing things with stakeholders, and especially at GitHub, everyone's remote, and so we have a lot of asynchronous feedback, it's really, really hard to do that. So you need the artifacts, you need the mocks. And I'm getting, it's like the last 10%, and I'm getting to that point, and it's killing me. I hate the last 10%. It's like, I have the structure of the components that I wanna build, here's like, here's the flow, and we can talk through how it should work. Oh yeah, but I need the mocks of how it should work across all these states. It's like, ah, I could just tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could do in 30 seconds what would take yeah. me yeah, several hours yeah. To, to, to mock out different platforms, yeah. everything. Yeah. So you resonate. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I know these feels very well. Um, yeah, error states and edge cases. The, yeah, the last 5 to 10% is, is the worst. Because you've already done all the really hard work. And you've overcome all like the major obstacles and everything else just seems like, like I could talk through this. I could just talk to like, let me stand over an engineer's shoulder and speak for a few seconds. And there will be no question as to what should happen. Right. The artifact needs to exist. This needs to be documented. So if anyone has a question, the PM can include it in their, their document. Right. Have you found a solution for this? Besides just powering, powering through. through. Yeah, oh. basically it's just you power through. I was hoping for something more useful. <laughs> I don't have anything better than that. Sorry. Yeah. I, I, yeah, it's like, I mean, you could you could just choose to say, it depends on the size of the feature, the product, whatever. It depends on the size of the team, the company that you're working at. Like sometimes maybe that conversation is okay. For the situation I'm in, it's not it's not enough. You gotta yeah. kind of cover all your bases, especially if you're sharing this out to a wider group of people that aren't necessarily on your team and haven't seen it yet. They need to see all those use cases, or you're gonna hear from them saying like, "Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, have you thought about that?" You're like, "Yes, I've thought about it, but I didn't take the time to yeah. draw it up because we already talked through it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This half this half hour would have been spent far better doing something else, or you know, talking to someone, moving something else forward than remaking a variation on a mock that already exists that I could talk through in a couple seconds. So one thought I had was maybe it's just as effective to write down rules of things. Like I will write a sentence of how a thing should work instead of drawing the mock for it. That just becomes a little bit harder to diff over time. Like it's easier to look at a before and after of a screenshot than it is to look at a before and after of a piece of text that says how something should behave and discern what the difference is. Like it's much easier to just have the, the images but it seems like the rules are maybe getting halfway there. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't want to draw every error state and loading state, but I can say, in general, here's the way a loading thing should apply. Like, refer to buttons this. should maintain yeah. their width so that it doesn't break the layout. I don't need to mock up a button with a loading indicator that's retained its width, right? Also, red lines. Ugh. Red lines. Yeah, yeah. So um, that one you could say. Everything should loosely be on an eight-point grid, mm-hmm. and it's fine if it's four points. This is the part that flexes. This is always left yeah. line. This is always centered. If you're clicking through my mock and you see something at 15 points, it's probably a mistake. Just bump it up to 16. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try not to make those mistakes. I'm pretty OCD when it comes to mocks. I know you are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is like every feature I've ever worked on to get to the end. So when I was a young man, first starting at Google, and I still had far too much energy. Um, One of the first projects I worked on, I typed up a full document with screenshots describing what each icon was on each screen and how it behaved. And I got great feedback from the engineer who was working on it. They're like, this is the best document I've ever seen. This is so good. 
and it felt good. And since then, it's just like, I, I just don't have the time or the maybe the motivation to to go through the effort of writing all that stuff up. Plus, usually the PM has a PRD that describes a lot of these things. But ultimately, like that would be the best solution is you combine both mocks and a, vis- or a, a written description of how things should behave that is an artifact into itself. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The writing is an artifact. So you could translate that hypothetical conversation into just being typed out and then point people to that. So you still have the artifact and you have the, the description without necessarily having to make the mock. Well, what you just said jumped out like it's it's more of a motivation problem because you've gotten through the hard stuff. Yeah. And the mock is technically easy. Maybe you'll discover discover a couple edge cases that need a little more thought. But for the most part, it's just moving pixels and just drawing shit. Yeah. And that's easy. Therefore, it's boring. Yes. Therefore, you have no motivation yes. to accomplish it. Exactly. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that's why some companies have producers, right? There are roles With that production artists. Yeah, production will designers. take something that's 90% and get that last 10%. You're talking about producers or production designers? I guess I've heard them called producers. Okay. Where they put the the visual finesse on on all these things. Got it. I've never worked with one. Okay. So I don't actually know how this works. So somebody could call me out. But I know that that role exists of somebody who loves that last 10%. They love the details. It's kind of like, yeah, it's like a little bit grunt work. It's not super interesting. It's a little bit, it's more... You know, attention to detail, but also monotonous yeah. and tedious. I think that for me, it's like the tedium is just so hard to get over. It's like, I'm going to have to, not only is this going to be time consuming, but I'm going to have to have my brain on at full capacity the entire time. And if I mess up, it's going to be, you know, have, have consequences. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's hard to convince yourself to, to gain that motivation for something that is ultimately an edge case yeah, or yeah. a rare or it could error just state. Be described, yeah. described verbally, yeah. or or on the back of a napkin, mm-hmm. right? And I'm I not could, lazy. I could sketch like, the shit on the back of a napkin. No, of course this, you're not lazy. This sounds like this. It sounds like we're lazy, but it's more of like the it's ROI, right? It's a return on investment. My time is worth far more to the company and to my team. Yeah to do be doing other things with my time than than doing error states. I guess you could argue that this sentiment results or, or could be the result of why so many products feel like the edges are rough. Mm-hmm. Cuz nobody Cause does nobody that work. Gives, nobody yeah. gives a shit. And it needs to and be it, done. It's right? the same way with engineering. Yeah. It's like ah it mostly works. Do we really need to add the animation? It doesn't crash. It's yeah, done. it doesn't crash. It's stable, <laughs> it's fast, but uh, you know, this thing's a little bit misaligned whatever. Uh-huh. It's more of, it's more of a pain in the ass to align these things than to just leave it. The problem there too is like I can't say how many times I've heard the sentence, uh, we'll fix it later." Yeah. Later never comes. <laughs> it never gets fixed. Well, because it gets filed as an issue. Deprioritize. Deprioritize mm-hmm. and just becomes a backlog item until the heat death of the universe. Yep. That's one of my favorite phrases, the heat death of the universe. There was a team at GitHub, I think they're still operating called Paper Cuts. Okay. And they basically, I, I can't speak too accurately because I joined later, but they came in and said, oh, look at this massive backlog of tiny, tiny things that are driving people crazy. Let's make our job to just fix those. And I wish more companies had that. 
I know a lot of companies will do like a bug bash where they'll take a week and just address all of those like P4 problems that are just so low priority that yeah. they'd never get to them unless they set aside time to do it. Which is really hard to get buy-in to even do something like that, right? There are higher priority things that need to be done now. Yeah. Right? But for the quality of the product, for QA, you need to make sure that like you get to those things. So is there a solution at the top of the funnel like at where designers are sitting before the mocks even make it to engineers to just power through this process? Is there Are there more effective ways to make this 10% less shitty? So the method I use to get through and and gain the motivation to do this is I think about all of the rough edges that I've seen in other apps and I think, do I want to have rough edges with my name on them? Right? What do we say to rough edges, Marshall? Smooth them off. Not today. I don't know. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> what, do we, what do we say to the god of smooth <laughs> rough edges? <laughs> Not today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, just for me, the thing that works the best is just shame, right? Shame, shame, <laughs> to make another reference. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is, is the shame of knowing that my name is on something that isn't as good as I could make it. How much is shame a motivator for you? Pretty heavily. Pretty high? Uh, really? All of my friends are designers, right? And the things that I work on, I want to talk about and and trumpet from the tallest mountain as loud as I can and say, I worked on this, I'm super proud of it, the team killed it and I'm really happy this thing exists now and it only exists because we worked really hard on it and I want that to be a full-throated thing that I don't have to be like oh yeah some things are messed up and you don't want to have to preface it with like we're still working out the kinks but we launched this this thing and we're excited constraints are hard and yeah yeah I, I want it to be perfect so and and when the bottleneck to perfection is me that's a pretty good motivator the problem that I'm having with this is Perfection happens at implementation time, not at mock time. And I could understand why a perfect mock has a higher likelihood of resulting in a perfect implementation Mm -hmm. if the engineers are paying attention. It's not a guarantee. But but it's ultimately out of your hands if the implementation matches the mock. No, it's not. Because it's also my job to make sure that implementation is accurate, right? Sure. Like I need to. But be... then in that case, you never needed the mock. Like if the mock was perfect <laughs> and the implementation was wrong, and then you okay. follow up and fix the implementation, Fair. you never needed the mock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's an artifact argument, right? But you have proof on your side that you didn't make a mistake. Yes. If anybody ever were to to blame you for extra time spent. Yeah, it's less cover your ass, less CYA, and more just like being thorough. Yeah. You know? Just for my own edification, like just for my own ability to lay my head down on the pillow at night and not be like, shit, I wish I would have spent a little extra time on that thing. So yeah, this is more self-serving than anything, or at least that's my way of getting past it is just self-shame, I guess. Yeah, I think I need to figure out a way to shame myself a little bit more. Because there, there are plenty of rough projects that are rough because the designer just didn't give a shit, right? And I don't want to be that guy. Do you want to be that guy, Brian? No, I don't want to be that guy. (laughs) I think there's got to be a way to not be that designer, but figure out how to increase the ROI of of your time on the small details. Not sure what it is. And the problem with what I said earlier about like the documentation of of writing all this stuff up instead of having the conversation, like make the artifact of of a, a doc where you have mocks and descriptions of each step of the flow and what icons should be where and what the measurements and everything are. The problem with that is you can kind of only do that at the end or you're going to be updating that <laughs> yeah, yeah, as yeah. often as you update yeah, your mocks. Yeah. So you, you kind of have to wait until you're done to do that, which at that point, you might as well 
just make the mocks. Right. Or, you know, it's as much effort. Well, this sort of segues into another problem. And this is something that we've we've discussed as being a very annoying tactical piece of designing, which is you're always designing for multiple points in time. There is the future state. There's the today state. There's the in-betweens. There's the what happens when this product or this feature collides with another feature that is also in by another team and that team also has their own timeline and has a before and after state Mm -hmm. how have you gone about dealing with this particular multiple realities problem yeah yeah this is a a big problem for me personally is like so a big part of my job is vision right when we decide to make a feature i need to know what that feature is going to be like and what its influence is going to be on the larger platform two three years from now but the thing we build and launch for v1 the mvp is not going to be what it looks like in three years it's going to be a stripped down version of that but it might be dramatically different than than where we expect it to end up so maintaining those multiple realities in your head of of, of like okay here's this is 1.0 but then I know what I want 5.0 to be, and then what are the steps between, and then, okay, so when I'm making a decision, okay, I need to, okay, I'm in V1 mode, okay, V1 mode, what what gets us <laughs> chewed from, yeah, from yeah. the state? Uh, yeah, and maintaining that in my head is yeah, it's a different difficult. Me- headspace, right? Of, Multiply that by multiple features that yeah, are being worked on at the same time, it becomes difficult. Especially if you're launching it at a certain point in time, it's like, okay, there's Two years from now, then there's launch day, then there's like a staff ship, and then there's today. What are we doing today? And that's five different versions or four, whatever, however many I listed, versions of a mock. And they might all be close, but progressively strip down the closer to today that you get. Yeah, and when you have all of those mocks, assuming you take the time to do all those avoiding confusion of everyone else who's working on the feature of like which version is which and what's happening when yeah and like no no, yeah. no don't look at those those are the next three versions that's not real yet we're working on v1 here that you know only go to the only look at these mocks ignore those other ones well so this is a huge problem for engineers as well right is and i think more broadly we could talk about like do you subscribe to the idea of designing a north star and presenting a north star to the whole yeah. team yep. you do yeah because it seems like there's a lot of trade-offs right and and one negative trade-off is that you are showing people where you want to go and people over-engineer the shit out of what's happening today right. because they think that in two years that, that will be relevant. Right. Where it's entirely possible that your product will be shut down in two years, the industry will have changed in two years, the priorities will have changed in two years, and you've over-indexed or over-invested time today yep. for something that is a hypothetical in the future. Right. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so I mean, are you familiar with the with the axiom ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag? I wasn't until today. <laughs> okay, but yes, meaning too much shit for the bag. Yeah, the bag's too small for all the shit that needs to go in it. And I've run into this problem before of being given here's five pounds of shit, design a bag for it, and I design a five pound bag, and then later on down the road, here comes more shit, and like this just won't fit. <laughs> like the this way- bag does <laughs> not have enough space for your shit. <laughs> Capacity is too low. (laughs) So I've learned that lesson through personal error. And I try not to make that mistake again, but it's very easy to go in the other direction, the opposite end of that spectrum and account for things that may never come to fruition and spend a lot of time on the engineering side 
building in a way to support a feature that ends up not actually shipping because you ship v1 and this the way that it was built is set up for v2 or v3 but v1 doesn't do as well as you thought it would or it's perceived in a different way than you thought it would be and you try to you kind of want to meet user expectations if you release a feature and you expect it to be used one way but everybody's using it a totally different way. You shouldn't force users to use it your way. You should meet the users where they are, right? And the way that is may be totally different than the way you expected to have it built. So now you're spending a lot of extra time rebuilding things. So these are arguments against a North Star. Yeah, But you, you still subscribe to North Star. Yes, because I think we've gotten a lot better at, or at least the team that I work with, we've gotten a lot better about predicting what's going to happen, doing a ton of research to find out what our users expect, what they think, and how they view this feature so that we kind of have a a pretty good idea about how it's going to perceive be perceived before we ever launch it so that we have a decent idea of what that North Star should be based on user perception and, and usage before it's even used by anybody. That's a great position for a team to be in to draw a North Star and have reasonable confidence in that happening. I work with amazing people. Yeah. That's probably not common for most people. So if you were to give advice to like somebody on a smaller team or to start up, do you if you had to abstract away from your team, do you find that the North Star practice would be worthwhile? I mean it's fifty fifty, right? Yeah. Like like sometimes it's gonna hit and it's gonna it's just gonna be a great solution and the thing that you thought was going to happen is exactly what happens and you were right to plan ahead and build accounting for 10 pounds of shit you're right to design a 10 pound bag even though you only had the five pounds but you know the other half of the time it's it's not going to work out and you're going to you potentially will have spent all the effort for that extra five pounds that just never gets used yeah you got this half empty bag there's some intangibles too right like if you show a spec for the perfect 10 pound bag maybe that gets people on your team excited about exactly what that 10 pound bag this is why i like the north star it's more about cultural like team excitement there's possible upside for getting leadership to invest in headcount for your project like there there's some of those things that could happen if if the north star is super compelling right yeah the best way to get momentum and energy behind the thing you're working on is not by writing a prd it's not by having a design doc for the engineering side of the thing, like that doesn't excite people. What excites people is seeing a mock or seeing a prototype, right? A sexy marketing video of phone screens at 45 degree angles, blurred in the background, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> yep, yeah, in a park with smiling, yeah. happy, beautiful people. A lot of happy, rich people with really nice cameras. Mm -hmm. And beautiful white teeth. And four-letter names, yeah. Yes, yes. It reminds me of the, the Framer marketing videos. Not that... This is an aside, but their marketing videos somehow get people really fucking excited about prototyping tools because they are just gorgeous and they put like intense electronic music and you're watching it like, am I about to watch a concert or am I watching a feature release for my favorite prototyping tool? I don't know. Yeah. Like that's useful, right? It's marketing internally. I guess I get it. Yeah. And and getting getting people behind the vision that you've figured out for that that three-year vision or whatever is is usually great motivation for the team and everybody kind of has the same idea you're all, that's the whole point of a north star is everybody is heading towards the same direction there's no ambiguity in where this thing is is directed we're all going to end up at this place and we just have to hit these milestones in between but this is where we're headed yeah. and that's a really exciting place to be maybe this first step isn't super exciting but 
we're going to end up there at that North Star and it's going to be fucking awesome. So let's just power through. So that circles back to this original problem is for all of the upsides of a North Star, it does introduce this ridiculous complication to the design process where you are maintaining multiple versions of reality. Right. You've designed the North Star. Now you've got to get everywhere in between and communicate accurately how those pieces connect. And then that goes back to the original point of like, ah, oh, some of these mocks just suck to draw. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But that's the calculus I've I've done is like, okay, I, I will take on this burden in order to make sure that this thing I'm working on becomes the best thing it can be, even if it means it's a little bit more effort from me to to make these extra mocks or to make this prototype or to to make a little video or a GIF or whatever that shows people where we're going to be. Yes, it's extra work, but ultimately it, it will be the best thing for the feature or for the product. Right. I suppose there's probably some other rabbit hole off to the side here around how a good design system can help with that. Like if the design system doesn't allow engineers to implement something in a wrong way or the design system allows you to create the mocks in in a much faster where you're just dragging stickers and stuff that makes sense but that's like a mature design company yep luxury that's probably a another team's entire job is to put all that stuff together yeah yeah which which is the case for design systems in general right it's like look at all the things that we're going to avoid people having to do day to day Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe those edge cases are really easy to deal with because there's a you know too many characters in this text field, or you didn't fill out this thing properly, and it's easy to drag those things in, and yeah, boom, there's my mock. I'm yeah. Done. But when those things don't exist, yeah, and there's no idea of what those things should look like, now you're taking on all this extra effort of like defining a whole pattern now that doesn't exist, and I hope I'm doing it right. You know what I think is probably what's contributing the most to my dread of doing a lot of this is design tools are just not caught up yet in terms of vertical component reflow. So for example, you have a component that's a few lines of text and you want to draw or have an example of what happens if this is a ton of text. You paste in a ton of text. Now you have to move everything below, nudge it down. But it's that times 50, right? Like, uh, what happens if this input's long? Okay, now I got to resize the input and nudge everything around. So it's like, I should just be programming this, but I'm faster in the design tool, but the design tool doesn't behave like it would if I was just writing it in HTML, you know? (sighs) If only there was some interoperable way for people to (laughs) code and design. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're I I mean, I guess that's what Framer's working on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's strange to say as mature as our design tools are today, compared to where they were 10 years ago, you know, like, yeah. but it's still in 10 years, still room this to will hopefully be a solved problem. Right. I really hope like text truncation, right? Like I want this component to have one line of text, no matter what. And then you resize it horizontally and you're like deleting characters manually. Yeah. Yeah. Adding in that dot, dot, dot at the end. Always the dot, dot, dot. Uh, oh, too, one too long. Wrap to a second line. Yep. Remove a character. Nope. Still too long. Yep. Remove a character. Okay. There we go. Yeah. I do that This was an effective use of two seconds times <laughs> 200 times per day is yeah. a lot of seconds, right? Yep. It adds up. Plus it's, it's, you know, mentally taxing. It's yeah. another problem I have, if it's okay to, yeah, to yeah, move let's on. Keep going. So I think this kind of goes along with the things we've been talking about is getting stakeholder buy-in for this Thing that I'm working on, right? And maybe the thing I'm working on has 20, 30 stakeholders, right? That's and way too many stakeholders. That's a lot of stakeholders. But, you know, depending on what you're working on, it might touch a lot of different things. And this wraps into another problem that I, that I have, which is the maybe the entry point or the other surfaces that my feature affects. 
Those are also in flux. Those are also being worked <laughs> Those on. Those teams also have their North Stars exactly. and their, their V1s. Yeah. So do I design for what exists today and is guaranteed, or do I design for the latest thing I've seen from this other team and you know try to match what they're doing, not necessarily knowing if they're going to hit their ship date, or maybe they're just a little bit after us? Yeah. And like, yeah, how do I coordinate and, and choreograph this dance so that like, okay, do I do I design for the past or is design for the future? Well, have you found answers to any of those or or formed your own playbook for how you might navigate each of those decisions? I, I try to gauge by risk. So I try to talk to the people who are in charge of those features and ask them honestly, like, what do you think the likelihood of this thing shipping on time or actually becoming real and being approved is? Should I aim for your target or should I just do the guaranteed thing that might go away? Right. So, yeah, it's a lot of like individual conversations, candid, honest conversations that, you know, and, and that's its own challenge. Right? <laughs> yeah. Then you get into the people problems and that's a hard one. I'm pretty good at diplomacy and I, I think people like me at work. I'm relatively easy to work with. So I'm just suggesting it's a new matrix of problems and, and absolutely trade-offs that you have to it's a whole other dimension outside yeah. of pixels. Yeah. yeah. This is like a six dimensional. Yeah. Thing. We're playing six dimensional chess when we ship a button. Yeah. <laughs> pretty. It sounds stupid, but it's true. Pretty much. Yeah. So the way I've tried to overcome this is by, and, and this is a relatively new problem for me. The, the product I work on used to have its own standalone app, which YouTube meant, gaming, right. Which meant that I could kind of do my own thing, right. It had also had drawbacks because we weren't able to inherit anything that the main app did, right? So they do a cool feature and we'd have to rebuild it ourselves, right? Because we weren't on the same code base. Some of the same back end, but not the same code base. So it had a lot more uh, leeway when it came to doing whatever I wanted to do. I didn't have to get as much buy-in from stakeholders, just as long as the team was happy with it and as long as the leadership was cool with it, I could do it. This right? is why people love startups, yeah. just so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I talk to my friends who have startups and I'm like, this thing that it's would that take us every months. Day. It's that every day. Like, oh, should we do this? Yeah, it's done. Yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that would have taken a quarter for me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this is a relatively new problem for me, and I'm still kind of feeling it out. But yeah, like what I said, I, I, I try to have the conversations. I, I maintain relationships with all these people. And I use the um, self-deprecating phrase of uh, when I first start talking to these people of you're going to be sick of me, right? Like, like I'm going to bug you a lot and you're going to get sick of me. And usually that inspires like the opposite thing of like, no, 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 it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. But I let them know ahead of time, like, I'm going to be bothering you a yeah, lot. Yeah. Be prepared. Right. That's but a good strategy. Of, like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to hate me. Like you're going to hate me, but you know, say it with a smile on my face and yeah. let them know that I'm kind of joking, but also kind of serious. And that always goes over well. So that's a little tip. That's a great tip. Yeah. And then, yeah, just maintaining those relationships, constant contact, constant updates when something changes, like communicating all those changes out to everybody that it would affect. Because nothing, I, I never build anything in a, back, a vacuum ever anymore, right? And everything that I do in a good way touches a lot of different things. It's not just good for gaming, it's good for everybody, right? And and that's that's a good thing to be working on is to have universal features that, that can benefit everybody, but maybe disproportionately benefit my folks. But, but having those relationships, and it's not just for this feature, right? Because it's going to be a, a thing in the future too, right? On the next feature that we're working on, the next one after that. So, so I'm talking to Designer X, and they are familiar by the time Project 2 comes around. They know how I work. They know that I'm 
on the ball. They know that I can, that I'm going to be there, and that when I do ask a question, I'm not bugging them out of nowhere for no reason. I'm only going to bother them as much as I need to, and then and and take them at their word. And they won't be surprised when this shows up in a meeting somewhere else. And like, oh, hey, did you hear Marshall's working on this thing? Like, no, I never heard about it. Yeah, but yeah. Have you run into cases where that has? backfired in a way where many people feel like they have a say in your ultimate decision like you have a vision for how you want it to be you need three other teams to to get bought in on that vision and through the process they all weigh in and either water down the decision or tweak it in a way that doesn't actually map to your what you think a successful product looks like Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Running strategies for that. I think this is this is a universal thing, right? It's yeah. like designed by consensus and designed by committee. I think is actually what the I meant. The best advice I have to give is to figure out what hills you want to die on. Like, figure out where to spend your bullets. These are all very like violent militaristic. Yeah. Metaphors, but like the the open office environment is a war zone. <laughs> Strap up. Yeah. Uh, cubicle combat. <laughs> so that would having, be the title of this episode if we had cubicle if combat. we had uh, whimsical episode titles yeah. anymore. <laughs> oh, head cannon. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's like a, a lot of it is compromise, obviously, and and sometimes you give up one thing in exchange for something else. It's like, okay, I'll compromise and do the thing that you want to do on this thing, but like, I I need this other thing. Like, I, this this feature just won't work. And here's the reasons why, but this feature just won't work if we do it the way you want to do it, right? I'm willing to give this up and that up and this other thing up, but like, it has to be this way. And usually that's enough to like garner enough diplomatic cachet that I can push something through. And choosing to die on the wrong hill is, is a really bad decision. I've done that before. It's like fight really hard for a thing that really didn't fucking matter and burn some goodwill on a thing that just didn't really matter in in the long term. So I've I've gotten better at figuring out like these are the core tenets of this feature or this thing and these can't go away. If if anybody's given us a problem about this, we'll find a way to work around it, but like it needs to work this way because we've decided we've we've learned from user research that this is how it has to be in order to be successful. So yeah, spinning your bullets wisely. Like don't fight something that doesn't really matter. And usually that will gain you some pretty goodwill. If people see that you're flexible and willing to compromise, that goes a long way. Mm. Even if it's probably a strategy to go in knowing that you're going to give up on a few things. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is like getting into maybe some dark negotiation patterns here. Gaming but like, the system. of like Gaming yeah. the system. Like, mm-hmm. here's three things that I don't give a shit about. I'm going to pretend to care about them. Mm-hmm. I'll give them up. It's the thing of like, you're working for a client and they ask for something and like, okay, here's two really shitty versions that I don't want you to pick. And yeah. here's the one I want you to pick. Yeah. And it's obviously better than the yeah. other two. I'm like, it's a forcing function. Yeah. yeah. Until you fuck up and they pick the thing you didn't want them to pick. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Like I said, you have to know what those tenets are and you have to know where you're willing to be flexible. Hopefully you get everything you want. Right. Like, and sometimes that works out and it's fine, but most of the time it doesn't. You have to be you have to know ahead of time this can go and it won't kill us, but this other thing can't. It's tough to talk about this all in like very abstract. It, it's, it's all abstract, but yeah, I'm trying to reconcile in my head why this process can be really hard for people that want to just design things because the process of designing things is not just drawing pixels and like nope. this is the reality right i think this yep. is what people are surprised by and, and frustrated by myself included is like yep. i'm gonna build create mocks and prototypes and we're gonna build them and that's just not how the day-to-day is mm-hmm. i dust my hands off and i'm done yeah th- it seems like this might be the forcing function to reuse that term 
of people going into management is like at the end of the day, the mocks are just going to always be in flight. Maybe I'm going to be most effective with my hours during the day to just navigate this people thing. I can see a case for that. I think it's sad that for people who are really good with pixels, that part of a huge part of their day is navigating some of these side battles. That is my day. That right? is your day, right? My my Monday through Wednesday is meetings yeah. and talking with people. Thursday, I work from home and I get mocks done. Which is and crazy, Friday, right? Friday, I work from work and get mocks done. Is this the end goal or like the end game for senior ICs? Is that what the week looks like? Yeah, I mean, I'm a weird beast. Like I'm a I'm an IC who is a manager and has direct reports. So not only am I doing and, and I'm a lead, right? So um, not only am I responsible for the vision and for, you know, all of UX, but I'm also responsible for making a lot of the mocks, not all of them, but you know, a lot of the mocks. And I'm responsible for doing all of the people management stuff and one-on-ones and helping other people with their careers. Like, that's too much. Yeah, it's well, that's not too much, but it's a lot, right? Yeah. And it's a, it's a lot of overhead. And like we were talking about earlier, maintaining all of these realities in your head while you're also trying to juggle all these other balls at the same time, it's like, it's a lot of work, which is why I think a lot of people either choose to be pure IC or pure people manager. Yeah, it's tempting. Yeah, it's tempting, but I love the mocks so much, but I also love working with people so much. I love... I love helping my direct reports careers and helping them get, get promoted and grow as designers and grow as humans, right? Learning from them, all these things are super important to the to the way I want to live my life, right? And I don't want to give those up, but I also don't want to give up the pixels. Yeah. I love the pixels And you so also much. don't want to burn out and start to hate both of them. And yeah, burnout is usually where this ends up right yeah. like well so, hopefully you burn out by what like november 31st that's when it's okay for you to burn out so i take december off <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what i do is i basically don't take vacation you know this this uh, few days <laughs> this aside. new york aside yeah yeah that's why this is so weird yeah yeah you t- you're taking a day off yeah, yeah I, I, I don't and and i save up all my days i use because i hit cap a lot right I, like uh, you can't roll over at a certain point you get so many days and like everything else you earn on top of that just goes away yeah so i, I try to stay under cap but you know, December 9th rolls around or so, and I take a month off and yeah. I come back after New Year's. Yeah. And I use that month to recharge my batteries and get excited again. And, you know, and by the time January rolls around, I'm like itching to get back at it. Yeah. Right. And that works for me. Maybe that doesn't work for other people, but I can do it. Can yeah. Do it. For like, I, I just go real hard for 11 months. Yeah. And then I take a month. And then off. you go real hard on watching YouTube and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm. I'm PJ into the max. Yeah, beating every video game you wanted to beat that year. Yeah, just I'm just a couch potato for, <laughs> for a full month, basically. But it but it works for me. Yeah, you found what works for you. That's good. Well, hopefully this helped y'all. I can't tell if it was more of a, a cathartic experience for us to just talk Vent. about the day-to-day struggles, but hopefully there was a nugget in there that might help somebody. We have very different responsibilities, but I think we're running into a lot of the same yeah. issues. We have very different companies that we work for, but yeah. we're running into a lot of the same issues. So I mean, I think it's interesting. For me, the frustrating takeaway is that some of these things can't be avoided, which it's is just, job, it's right? the job, right? Yep. Like, like That's why we get paid to go to work and, and do this, mm-hmm. is like there is just some shit you got to slog through. Mm-hmm. And hopefully the... The ends justify the means. It's really easy to say, and I I even do the same thing, and I've seen this recently on Twitter of like, people think I have a really crazy, complicated job, but really I'm just like editing text in boxes. I'm just pushing shapes and text around, which is 
kind of true, but there is so much more to yeah. it that's easy to overlook and it's easy to simplify what it is that we do. It's and a funny oversimplification, right? Like I draw, I draw boxes for a yeah. living. I used to say I make pretty pictures for expensive rectangles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it's so much more than that. And, and it's easy to ignore that, especially if you're starting to get into the industry and you see it from the outside and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to push around some shapes and make them really pretty. And I'm really good at that. You need to be good at a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. To be effective at different sized companies. And absolutely. I think this is also why people gravitate towards startups and probably conversely, but there's more responsibility potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Varying. You wear so many hats. Trade-offs all the way up and down. Right. Yep. <sighs> all right. Well, I got to get back to drawing some mocks. <laughs> I have sigh. some uh, air states to draw. I have okay. some responsive states to draw. Uh-huh. This will be fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> Should we get into cool things? Yeah. Let's do And some then cool we can things. go do our cool evening. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to watch Book of Mormon. I'm, I'm, I'm eat this pizza. I'm ready for some pizza now, actually. Yeah. I'll go first this time. I think you went first last week. Yeah. Do it. My thing this week is a book. And it's a book that I learned that you've read. This is a recommendation from friend of the pod, Connor McSheffrey, who was in New York a couple weeks ago. And he shared Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. And I consumed this book. By the way, that's a reference to this Twitter fellow who talked about how he consumes books, which is just a really weird robot way of saying, I read a book. Um, nom, 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 nom. Dead trees. This was a delicious, delicious read. Uh, Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. So I read this in a couple of days. And this was coming off the Bobiverse sci-fi kick. So it's a pretty decent sized book, no? It's not too bad. A few hundred pages. It's it's a very fast read. Yeah, it's a page turner. Yeah. So let me try and get a a non-spoilery... I'll, I'll basically read the back cover for listeners who are intrigued, and then I want to hear what you thought of it. Are you happy with your life? These are the last words that Jason Dessen hears before a masked abductor knocks him unconscious. And then he awakens to find himself strapped to a gurney, surrounded by strangers in hazmat suits. In this world he's woken up to, Jason's life is not the one he knows. His wife is not his wife. His son was never born. And Jason is not an ordinary college professor, but a celebrated genius who has achieved something remarkable, something impossible. And then there's more, but I won't read it all. Yeah. So I thought it was a great book. I think if people are into sci-fi, it's a little bit of a romance. Like it's a sci-fi romance is what I'll call this genre. A man wants to find his wife. What did you think? You read this a while ago. Yeah, it's been it's been a few years since I read this. Um, a lot of the details have, uh, they escape me. But I, I do remember some tentpole scenes. And yeah, like I said, it's a page turner. It's, can I say it involves time travel? I feel think so okay or at least yeah it's in that realm right which is my fucking shit it involves the quantum realm sure yeah and that is my shit oh yeah i remember oh yeah okay there as as you said okay i'm remembering scenes the the hallway Uh uh-huh it's coming back to me brian it's coming back to me okay yeah this book is great man it's hard to do quantum super sciencey shit that's really hard for people people to understand or visualize in their head but this book does it well because he comes up with metaphors for how quantum mechanics work in this particular plot. Right? Sure. So uh, there's a famous quote that is, if if someone says they understand quantum mechanics, they're lying or they're mis... I'm fucking up the quote. But it's basically, <laughs> if someone says they understand quantum mechanics, they don't. Yeah. Right? No one understands yeah. quantum mechanics. Uh, you can understand it on a basic level. I've read a ton of books on this stuff. This is, this is uh, my nerdery. I love physics and especially quantum mechanics and multiple universe theory, like M theory and string theory and stuff like that. I've read a ton of books. So 
a lot of these concepts were familiar to me when I started reading and uh, he works within those confines really well. It, obviously it's, it's, you know, a narrative and yeah. it's, it's fiction, but like it works to tell this story, which is something we were talking about a couple episodes ago. We were talking about like low stakes, right? Small stakes with like Ant-Man, right? Like it's not, oh, it's not right, a city right. blowing up. Yeah. It's like a guy who wants to get back with his daughter, yeah. right? His wife. Yeah. Oh, oh Ant-Man. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. in this movie, it's just a guy who wants to get back with his wife. Yeah. He, he's in a, yeah, he's in a, a different place that his wife does not exist and he's trying to get back his life. Yeah. Right? Which, which is great. Uh, it's not, it's not existential necessarily. Yeah. The it's world just, doesn't have to be at risk. Yeah. Yeah. In order for there to be something that you care about. Right. right? Which is refreshing actually, because it was, it was a nice counter to the Bobiverse, which is, Exactly that. Like the universe yeah. is at stake. The Bobiverse is here to to work on that problem. Here, it's just this one dude's life, and you're the Blake Crouch does a great job of building up the character. You empathize with him. The main character could be anybody. I suppose it could also be a female. Like if you reversed, oh, this person's looking for a husband. Yeah. Like you could you, you can you can sympathize really with this character regardless yeah. of who you are. So well, that's two glowing reviews of Dark Matter. So we'll link in the show notes. But for Sci-fi people out there, uh, this is a good one. Yeah. I'm also noticing that Blake Crouch has a couple other books that look compelling, one of which is called Recursion, which just based on the title, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Cool thing, Brian. Yes. Hit me with your cool thing. Okay, so my cool thing is a YouTube video <laughs> series, Shocker of All Shockers. It was great because in this week's show notes or like our, our planner, I just copy and pasted YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So but this is kind of a, a social video series so it's from a channel called jubilee they have a series i I believe the name of it is do all blank think alike and each episode that blank is filled by a different word men women black people white people trump supporters democrats christians right and so the way that the show is set up is a series of statements are made and a group of people is chosen from, I don't know where they get these people from, but it's a, a diverse group of people that all fit into a, the same category that the episode is about. And they're in a kind of a warehouse type room and on the floor are seven lines. They all stand single file on the center line going away from the camera and a statement is made and each of these people have to choose whether they agree or disagree with it. The three lines to the right of them are slightly agree, agree, strongly agree, and then slightly disagree and strongly disagree on the left. And so they, they make the statement and go three, two, one, go. And everyone moves to the line that is appropriate to their personal feelings about it. And then they have a conversation where they explain why they think the way they think. And sometimes they switch lines. Like they'll be talking yeah. to somebody else and be like, oh, actually, yeah, that, that does describe me really well. I should probably be over there. Do multiple people end up on the same line? Yeah, usually it's usually a pretty good spread, but there's usually like a plurality that that chooses kind of the thing you would expect them to to think, right? Like, like so for example, the, the Christian one, one of the, the statements was, I'm going to heaven, right? And everybody went to strongly agree. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. right? You know, and that's kind of what you would expect, but some people were maybe on like agree oh. or something. The answer to the question of the series, do all blank think the same, is no. 
They don't. <laughs> and, and it's really interesting to see what that variety is and where those disagreements happen and the, the reasons behind them. It's, it's really you mean, fascinating. I can't just blindly hate an entire group of people based on some preconceived stereotype? Marshall, yeah. come on. It's almost like everyone's different. Don't shatter and... my worldview right now. It's so <laughs> yeah. simple. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> it's a lot easier to think that way. And, and part of the reason why I watch these is to challenge myself, right? Because it's very easy to go, all these people who are like this, Probably I'll think the way that I have decided the few people that I've met who are like them, they thought that way. So all people must think that way. Right. And it's a great lesson to see the diversity and thought. And sometimes people who I vehemently disagree with on one question, I vehemently agree with on the next question. Right. Confirmation bias is a hell of a drug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so this is my challenge to you is maybe not this thing, but like get out there, challenge your worldview and and learn about other people. And this is a great way to do it. And, and each of these episodes, regardless of my feeling uh, about the topic, it, it's like excruciating to watch, right? Sometimes, not not the entire time, but like there, there's definitely some cringe where you're like, man, I, I, that's just so wrong and so oh, oh, just so you, you, ignorant or wrongheaded. Like if right? you were in the room, you see people that you would be on the opposite side yeah, of. Yeah, I'm like yelling at my computer, yeah. my TV, like this is a perfect a counter argument to the thing you're saying, but no one else is saying this thing, you know. Damn it, internet. <laughs> yeah, but it's a really good series and a great exercise. It's a cool thing to have even thought yeah, to do. Yeah, that's a good concept. I like it. And yeah, it's just the formula of here's a statement, choose where you stand on it, and then they have a pretty probably heavily edited response or conversation afterwards, yeah. and then they get back in the middle. And that thing just repeats and repeats, and uh, it's fascinating to watch, in my opinion. Well, that's great. I'll check it out. That's a Jubilee. Yeah, so the name of the channel is Jubilee, and and this series is, uh, it's called Spectrum. It's not called Do All People Think Alike. So check it out. If, you, if you're into it, challenge thyself. Great. Love it. So, uh, Brian, maybe we should do a version of this. We should do, do all designers think the same? The first statement should be, designers should code. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, that would be an interesting segment. <laughs> that would be an interesting segment of like, get a, maybe a live show. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Viewers or listeners, what do you think? Viewers soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Future viewers, that would, current listeners. That would be a fun interactive live show segment. Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's stash that one. I like that idea. Put that in the backlog. Yeah. Cool things, Brian. That's cool it. Cool things. All right. We'll catch you all next week. Before we go, if you are in the New York City area and you want to hang out with some of the most talented designers uh, on the face of this planet, come hang out with them at Triple Hang Time. Triple Hang Time is a one-day design conference. It's coming to New York at the Manhattan Center Hammerstein Ballroom on June 6th, 2019. That is right around the corner. There's going to be more than 25 talks, workshops, and intimate conversations from people like Kat Noon, Jen and Amy Hood, Alice Lee, David Carson, and so many more. We're going to save you 100 bucks if you buy your ticket between now and May 31st. Do not miss out. The promo code is design details. Put that in when you go to dribble.com. Is that all one word or two words? One word. All one word. One word. Design details at dribble.com slash hang times slash 2019. That's dribble.com slash hang times, plural, slash 2019. Promo code. Yeah. Promo code design details. And of course, be sure to follow us on Twitter. We have one all expenses paid ticket that we'll be giving away on our Twitter account. (laughs) The tickets paid for. We're not going to buy your flight. The tickets paid for. One all ticket expenses paid <laughs> ticket. 
<laughs> we will have details for that on our Twitter account. So follow us, Design Details FM, on Twitter. And of course, while you're there, let us know what you thought. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Tweet us your feedback. Tweet us your day-to-day struggles. If if what Marshall and I are dealing with resonates, we'd love to hear from you, especially if you found tips and tricks to help yeah. navigate the complexity of modern organizations. Please do enlighten us. <laughs> yeah, please let us know. We, we would love to know if there are solutions to our problems or if you have problems of your own that maybe we can help with or others of you have solutions to those problems from others of you. So. Yes, let's share the wisdom here. So thank you for, for listening and sharing with us. And of course, thank you, Sarah and Drew, our editors, master producers who make this show and many other shows possible on the Spec Network. We are on Spec, which is a podcast network for designers and developers just like you. If you want more design voices in your head, go check out Layout FM by Rafa and Kevin. That's all at spec.fm. That's it. That's it. Hit us up on Twitter. Go to Dribble Hang Time in New York. Use that promo code Design Details, and then go listen to more podcasts on Spec FM. Join the Design Details family. Yeah, we just crossed a major milestone, and on Twitter we passed eight thousand followers. Eight thousand. Oh, what what are listeners called? Deets. Deets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have eight thousand deets floating out there on the internet. All right. Well, thank you for for those of you who have followed. We'll again we'll be tweeting that that giveaway, and we share all the episodes and random polls here and there. Until next week, though, this has been Design Details, live from New York. It's Saturday (laughs) night! (laughs) It is Saturday Saturday night! night. (laughs) Holy shit! Live from New York, I've always wanted to see it. Do you want to give it a final hurrah? Yeah, yeah, okay. We're doing it in reverse order of the the show, but... And live live from from New New York, York, it's Saturday Saturday night! night. (laughs) All right, bye.